Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Farrell Shepherd of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky, and I'd like to welcome you to another Sending Forth a Light radio broadcast. This broadcast is for Monday, February 5th, and I hope you're enjoying a good day in the Lord. I hope you had a great weekend, and I hope you were in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. We had a good day here at the Island Ford Baptist Church. We had visitors for which we're thankful, and then some of our people that have been out sick were able to be back with us. Of course, we had others that were out sick, and so they sort of just trade places almost like, but we're glad that this stuff is getting through and going past, and hopefully people are getting over it, and so just keep one another in prayer. Amen. And uh, I hope that you will stay tuned and enjoy the program through the day. By the way, thank you for those that listen faithfully that tune in and pay attention to the broadcast. I appreciate that. I've been playing some sermons recently that we had aired previously on the program and just had them already broke down and, and worked them into this time frame. We're going to do that again this week also as well. I am working on some new sermons that we're going to be preaching right into the radio mic, and we'll be airing those coming up soon. But right now we're going to go to a message that we preached here some time back. I'll say more about that in a moment. Do pray for us and pray that God would bless and use the program. I do have a couple of good songs queued up here that I hope will be a blessing. I've got the Jimmy Moyes family. They call themselves the Joyful Moyes family singing for us. And then I've got the Shepherd family as well. And then the message from the Word of God. All right. Our sermon for this week is going to be dealing with Mark chapter number 6. Several verses there, we're going to be taking our text from verse number 48. We're talking about encountering contrary winds. Now, on today's broadcast, I'm just going to be entering into the introduction of that, but we'll continue this message throughout this week. So I hope you'll stay tuned and enjoy the message as it was preached live from the pulpit of the Island Ford Baptist Church right here in Madisonville, Kentucky. If you want to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 6. The Bible says, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. Amen. I want to focus on verse number 48, that phrase, For the wind was contrary to them. I want to preach for a few minutes on encountering contrary wind. Let me just start by saying this. We picked up our text, in a sense, in the middle of the story, but we picked it up with the fact of our Lord instructing His disciples to get into the ship and to go before Him unto the other side. Uh, He instructed them to go while He stayed back and dispersed the crowd or the multitude, then that He might spend some time up on a mountain apart, alone, in prayer. Well, there's a lot of lessons we could learn in that as well. But I'm interested in focusing today and spend a little bit, bit of time on that phrase about the fact of this shipload of disciples in the midst of the sea as they are tossed with waves encountering contrary winds. Now, before that I extract this 
and show you the point of interest in my sermon, I want to give you an accurate idea of what's going on. Uh, Mark chapter 6 is a busy chapter. If you want to look back at it, there's 56 verses. Uh, but in the beginning of this chapter, at verses 7 through 13, we see our Lord has gathered His 12 disciples together and He's just sent them forth two by two on a preaching mission across Galilee. He sent them throughout the region of Galilee to preach the Word. And upon their return, they're rejoicing about the success of their mission. They're rejoicing in the fact that they preached repentance. They're rejoicing in the fact that uh, there were miracles that were performed and devils that were cast out. And so there's activity going on there from verses 13 through 17. And then verse 14 through 30, uh, you've got the horrible account of the beheading of John the Baptist and the news that reached our Lord and His disciples concerning that fact. And immediately it looks like upon that, after that announcement had been made, in verse number 31, our Lord tells His disciples, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They were busy, 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 busy. And our Lord said, you need to come apart and rest. I preached a message one time several years ago at Vision on wasting time wisely. That's what I titled it. And there's a truth about leisure. There's a truth that sometimes, as they say, you need to come apart before you come apart. Amen. And so our Lord was telling them that. And uh, and so they, they leave. But if you notice that they leave and go again, their departure is made with the intention of getting away a little bit. And uh, yet the multitude recognizes their destination. And the multitude in verses number 31 and down through verse number 34, 32 through 34, the people saw them departing and they followed along apparently by the coastline. And they actually met them over on the other side and were there with their needs, were there with their burdens, and they were there again for our Lord to minister to. That is the account then given from verses 35 through 44 of the feeding of the 5,000. In that desert place, after they'd been so busy, after our Lord said, we're going to have to come apart, we're going to have to rest a little while, and yet our Lord fed the 5,000 with only five small loaves, and two little fishes. And the miracle of it all is that they had 12 baskets full of fragments left over. Amen and amen. Now I want you to think with me just a moment as we begin our, our thoughts. I'm thinking about the viewpoint from the disciples. These disciples are tired. They're weary. They've been on a preaching mission, as I said. They've come back. Their emotions are high about the success of their meeting. And immediately they're approached with the fact that John the Baptist is not just imprisoned, but John the Baptist is now beheaded. And it's sad news. I mean, their emotions go from high to low. That'll sap your strength. Amen. Uh, They're physically exhausted uh, because of the ministering that they've been doing. And so they go to the other side for a place of rest. There's no rest there. Uh, That In that place, of course, they say to the Lord, send them away. And you can understand that. They're tired. But our Lord said, no, feed them. Now think about this. 5,000 men and 12 men are going to be their waiters. 
Our Lord said, you feed them. Our Lord broke the fish. Our Lord blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples. The disciples distributed unto the people. So if you've got 5,000 men, probably they've got their wife. They've probably got some children with them. So a multitude of possibly at least 20,000 people. And you've got 12 men serving as waiters, handing out fish, and handing out bread to those men, women, and children that are seated on the ground. And and they're busy. I, I wouldn't want to be a waiter with if there's eight. 18,000 people there and 12 men. That's 1,500 people per that one waiter. Everybody saying, can I have another piece of fish? <laughs> Amen. And they said, hold on, i got to run back to the Lord and get it. See if there's more in that basket. It wasn't but five when we started. Amen. But, I mean, you just, that's just mind-boggling to me to recognize these men must have been tired. But when they got done feeding the 5,000, our Lord said, that's not all, boys. we got to clean up. And he made them gather up the fragments. Our Lord's not wasteful. Amen. And I'm glad God's interested in pieces and God's interested in crumbs. Thank God. Amen. Amen. But these men then are made to gather up these fragments. I, I did read where one man said this and I thought it was good. He said that they were being heroic when they were feeding the crowd, but it's humbling to clean up after the crowd. He said this, and this is right too. He said, we need to learn as servants of the Lord, much of our real service is not done in the limelight. It's done behind the scenes. Oh, boy, that is so true. And our Lord was teaching these disciples that. Amen. Uh, so our Lord then says to his men, all right, you get on this ship and you go on over to the other side. I will disperse the crowd and I'll take me some time to pray and then I'll come to meet you over there. And so we see the compassion of our Lord. We see the uh, the wisdom of our Lord in getting these men apart because they're exhausted and giving them a chance that they can rest. And so he puts them on the boat. However, our Lord knew very well that this wasn't going to be a relaxing voyage. Amen. This was not going to be a trip that they were going to sail peacefully across the sea and they were going to enjoy rest and comfort. No, our Lord knew very well that He's sending them into a storm. Our limited understanding, we sometimes don't understand. We may question why would the Lord intentionally send those men that He knows are weary alone, by the way. He said, I'm not going with you. He sends them alone in a storm, intentionally doing that. And there's questions that arise in our mind about that. Well, I'll just say He knows what's best, and and really for the moment I'll leave it at that. But look with me in our text here as we look at this story. Now, of these men, as we read uh, from verse number 45 down through verse number 48, could have read more, as you know that the story does continue on, but that he constrains them. Verse number 45, and straightway he constrained his disciples. There's two words that show you the exertion that's going straightway. Our Lord didn't waste any time. Our Lord got in a hurry to get these men on the boat. He constrained them. That meant he twisted their arm. That meant he come, he didn't just 
He didn't just suggest to them. He commanded them. He said, fellas, get in the boat. Amen. I, I believe this. I believe those men probably were hesitant about leaving the Lord. They wanted to be with Him. They wanted to stay by His side as much as those multitudes wanted to stay with Him. These men that had been with Him wanted to stay with Him. But He said, fellas, the best thing for you to do is get on board this boat and go to the other side. Now I want to point out a few things if I can. Uh, in this story that I believe will be helpful. First of all, I want you to notice the sailors in this lot. You see, our Lord had 12 men, 12 disciples. There were others. There were at least 500 at one time that were disciples of our Lord. But these 12 hand-picked that we call disciples, sometimes they're called apostles of the Lord, that were a motley crew of men. Uh, they were a variety of backgrounds that these men came from. We know that at least one of these men was a religious zealot. Simon Zelotes. We know that at least one of these men was a tax collector. Matthew the publican. We know that at least four of these men are professional fishermen. That means these four fishermen would have been expert sailors. They lived on the boat. They lived on the sea. They understood something about what was going on. Oh, what a blessed thing that God puts right in us what we need to make this voyage. Amen. I believe that every church, God gives gifts. He talks about giving gifts unto men. I believe that every local church has every gift that church needs to fulfill the ministry that God's called them to do. Amen. Amen. And and by the way, I'll just throw it in because I believe it's right. Some people say, well, my ministry is to sing. Well, if it is, then your ministry is to bless your local church and not necessarily every other church in the country. Say amen right there. Amen. God gives ministry gifts, ministry abilities to be a blessing to that local church. Amen. And a lot of things that we could say about that. Those men, four of them were fishermen, thank God. Now, think about this. These men not only knew the vessel well, but they knew the sea well as well. So we talked about the sailors in the lot. Secondly, I want you to notice the sea or the lake. This particular body of water is called the Lake of Gennesaret by some. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 is one of the places. It's called the Lake of Gennesaret. It's called the Sea of Galilee by others. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18, and chapter 15, and verse 29. It's called the Sea of Galilee, as well as other places. But it not only has those two names, it actually has two more names. It's got four names total in the Scriptures that we know about. In the, the Old Testament, it's called the Sea of Chinnereth, or Kinnereth. And that's found in Numbers 34, and in Joshua 12, and in Joshua 13. The Sea of Kinnereth. And that word Kinnereth means it means a bow shaped or a harp shaped because that's the shape of this particular lake that's called the sea. And then the fourth name in John chapter 6 and in John chapter 21, it's called the Sea of Tiberias. These names come from the surrounding area that is there. The region is Galilee. There's a city of Gennesaret. There's a city of Tiberias. And so, and there was a city of Kinnereth. And so there's where these names come in. But sometimes it's called a lake. Sometimes it's called a sea. In the scriptures, the word sea does not necessarily mean an ocean or we look at it as we've got lakes. We've got, well, we've got ponds. We've got lakes. We've got seas and we've got oceans. All right. That's the way we look at it. That they gradually get bigger as they go. But in the Bible, a body of water is called a sea. The, the brazen sea that's before, that's in the temple was just a bowl, a big bowl that held water. 
that body of water is called a sea. And so that's where this idea comes from. According to New Unger's Bible Dictionary that's published in 1988 by Moody Bible Institute, it says this. It says the lake is about 60 miles from Jerusalem and at one time was 13 miles long and 8 miles wide at its greatest extent. Although land reclamation programs have since reduced its length and it is about 150 feet deep at its lowest point. So it's a good sized lake. I'd call that a sea too if I was out on it. Amen. 13 feet long, 8 feet, I mean 13 miles long, 8 miles, 8 miles wide and 150 feet deep is a pretty good sized body of water. They say that this body of water was particularly dangerous for the suddenness and the intensity of the storms that occasionally appeared in its vicinity. One explanation of that fact is that this large body of water is actually 700 feet below sea level. It's deep. 700 feet below sea level. It's actually at least 600 feet below the level of the Mediterranean Sea, which is the nearest actually sea that's there. That causes the waterways, the water flows to flow Rapidly, which causes corrosion quickly. And so because of that, they've cut deep ravines uh, into these sides of this, of this uh, lake. And they, they, those ravines are like funnels that the winds come down from the mountains and bruise up storms that are often sudden and severe. There are numerous accounts of such storms in the New Testament appearing on this very body of water. Zondervan's Pictorial Bible Dictionary, published by Zondervan Publishing House in 1967, on page 297, says this. He says, This area is noted for its sudden and violent storms caused by cold air sweeping from the vast naked plateaus of Golanitis and Haran and Mount Hermon through the ravines and gorges and converging at the head of the lake where it meets warm air. So you got the cold air coming down, meeting the warm air, and the body of water right there you've got at the makings of a storm. And that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. So we're going to have to break in the message right there. But Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow and continue this message throughout this week. Hope you'll tune in this same time every Monday through Friday for another Sending Forth the Light radio broadcast. Until then, this is Pastor Farrell Shepherd saying good day and God bless you.